You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Curtain up, theater people, and welcome to a special series of your program as your ticket. Coming to you from Midtown Manhattan, right in the middle of Broadway. My name is Sean Chandler, and I'll be your host. Your program is your ticket is a discussion of smaller theater works and the people and organizations that make it happen. As many of you know, your program is your ticket is a helpful system where your program is literally your ticket to get into the theater and smaller, more intimate productions. It's these works we like to highlight, and it's our goal on this show to feature as many of these productions as possible while still discussing the biggies. I love theater and see as much as I can wherever I go. During the travels of the production of my husband and my play At the Flash, I've met many wonderful people from all over the world in the theater community, and it is my honor to bring them on as guests to the show. Tonight's show is part eight of a special series of interviews for the 2018 Frigid Festival here in New York City. Founded in 2007, Frigid is an open and uncensored theater festival that gives artists an opportunity to let their ingenuity thrive in a venue that values freedom of expression and artistic determination. I recently had the honor of sitting down with a superb, passionate artist within the Frigid Festival to speak to them about their individual shows, their wonderful experience with Frigid Festival, and their overall thoughts on theater itself. My guests on this episode are Eliza Gibson from Bravo 25, your AI therapist will see you now, Jake Simons from Like Nobody's Watching, and Mariah Frieda and Melissa Mishito from Artemisia's Intent. Three fascinating solo shows one dealing with a very advanced therapy technique, the other with isolation, and the third exposing struggle through art. So folks, without further ado, please enjoy interviews with Eliza Gibson from Bravo 25, your AI therapist will see you now, Jake Simons from Like Nobody's Watching, and Mariah Frieda and Melissa Mishito from Artemisia's Intent. Folks, please welcome to the show Eliza Gibson from Bravo 25, your AI therapist will see you now. Hi Eliza, welcome to your program as your ticket. Hi, thank you so much for having me here today. It's my pleasure. I heard you laughing earlier. You have a great laugh. Oh, thank you so much. I'm going to have to try and make you laugh throughout this. This is a good idea. I do have a reputation. I'm from San Francisco as being a preferred audience member. (laughs) (laughs) So everyone invites you to their show. Yeah, I'm a good out loud laugher. And you know when there's one good out loud laugher in the crowd, other people sometimes laugh at the laugh, even if they maybe didn't get the joke. So well, there's a laughing, laughing. Laughing can be infectious, it right? It can, and it gives people permission to laugh. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you feel pressure now that when you go to shows that, like, you have to laugh? You just, you go and you're like, I must laugh because it's my thing. I don't, but I sometimes feel bad if I'm like, ooh, I didn't laugh because I only actually laugh if I really think it's funny. 
But when you laugh, you laugh. I do. It's like full tilt boogie. It's full. We go. We go for it. Cool. Well, we'll have to make sure that that (laughs) happens. And like, it's usually bigger than that. Yeah, that was just a chuckle. That was was just just a little tease of a laugh there. Okay, tell our audience about Bravo 25, your AI therapist. We'll see you now. Well, it is a solo show, a wild ride of a show, I've got to say. It stars an AI, artificially intelligent avatar therapist. Her name is Amber, and she's running a support group with six humans, a quite a diverse set of humans, all who, you know, have some unique and common struggles that I think we all do as human beings. I think at the end of the day, it's really about artificial intelligence, and it contemplates this idea of, or these ideas about how are we human in this age of technology, how do we connect each other, how do we heal, how do we find redemption, and, you know, fundamentally this concept that artificial intelligence, in fact, is influencing our lives way more than most of us realize, and super intelligence is actually within reach, some people think. Not maybe in our generation, but certainly I think in my niece and nephew's generation. So my hope is that people both enjoy the show and have some fun and laugh and feel moved by these people's stories, but also really leave thinking about, huh, wanting to learn a little bit more about what's going on with artificial intelligence. It sounds like a lot of tickling of the brain. It is. I had an audience member last night say this was a very intellectual show um, and she really enjoyed it. It's a very, definitely a dense show. There's a lot going on. Well, I also, I play seven characters with no narrator. Are you playing Amber and everybody else? Yeah, it's a physically very demanding and fun show. Tell me about a few of the other characters that you're playing. Well, there's Lil Bet, and Lil Bet is coming to the group for some support in her stages of grief because her friend Cowboy just died. And then there's Victoria. Now, Victoria is, she's a polyamorous, I'm a polyamorous lesbian, I should use the I statements here, and I love technology. Then there's Marsha. Marsha really, really, really hopes you like her. (laughs) (laughs) And Marsha really, really, really likes Amber. Amber is really helping her, and she hopes that Tony will ask her out for a date. Tony, well, you know, I don't want anyone to know, but I'm looking at Marsha's tits. Who'd I miss? Oh, Jeremy. I love Jeremy. Jeremy's this young kid. I'm this young kid. I kind of like, you know, I'm gay. My dad disowned me, and now I live in San Francisco. I got in a messed up relationship with an older guy, and I just need a job. And and can you do Marsha a little bit? Do a little Marsha for us. I'm so happy to be on the show today, Sean. Does my hair look okay? I'm trying this new product. I don't want to look... I don't want to look like I'm worried about my hair. Do you think Tony noticed my new shirt? I guess he wouldn't know it's a new shirt, would he? Amber's helped me so much. She's helped me work on positive self-statements. Wait, no. So Amber is Amber is the therapist. That's what I want you to do. I'm sorry. We've already done Marsha, right? Marsha, I'm so glad I've been able to help you. <laughs> Human relationships are very complicated. Oh There's a lot God. of misunderstanding, misinterpretation, and fear in human communication. Oh, I love it already. You oh gotta come. God. You gotta come. I love it already. It's, three more shows. Three more shows. Oh my! It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it sounds amazing. Now, now is is Amber? Amber is the therapist. Amber is the AI okay. therapist. Okay. Now is Amber a? Does Amber look like a human being? Or is Amber like a, a robot or is Amber a voice in a box? This is a great question because I think one of the challenges theatrically is to how do you play an AI avatar on stage in my human body, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so for most of the show, 
She's just very, very still. And initially, she only moves her eyes and her head very slowly. So she has very robotic movements. And the lighting is simple. It's funny. I was thinking about this this morning, how like it's this really high technology, sophisticated concepts with a very low tech show at the end of the day, because it's just some basic lights, you know, a blue light, a bluish light when she, when she speaks. So you uh-huh. get a sense as an audience of like, oh, she's on a TV monitor. Um, now, I don't want to give the show away, but no, no. she may or may not become a super intelligent being. And then how do you physically embody a super intelligent being? You should come to the show and find out because that becomes a lot of fun. So, okay, first of all, I want to thank you for your ultimate professionalism in totally rolling with my name error. Like you, I, you could have, you could have very well said, "I already did her." When you knew I was probably getting to the therapist, who is Amber? When I said do Marsha, you just went into Marsha's. I character. did because we have a lot of people like Marsha, well, no, <laughs> so maybe that, I thought maybe you wanted to hear her again. No, no, no I was, I was, I, no, it was an error. But you just like, wham, you went right into it. Is that just because you're you're so in the zone right now? with uh, the characters like you could just drop into anyone at any time is that part of is that what's going on and is it part of your rehearsal process to be able to do that I think you know the truth is I've been developing this show for two and a half years I did the first version of the full show about a year ago Uh Um, and at this point they're my friends and they're here with me all the time so it's very easy I just know them so well I've gotten to know these characters so well so whether I was rehearsing or not I could I could just jump into one of the characters wow now would are you able to like say if somebody says like like no i'll just say when uh, my husband and i wrote a show called out the flash and it's five different characters that jump around from five different decades in a gay bar and um but our director because my husband david does the show and our director as an exercise would say okay do this portion of the show and then he jump. 20 pages further, do that portion of the show, play that character. Now go back to this and play that character. And he would do that as an exercise just to make sure that that David would be able to drop into it at any time. Did you do something like that? or? That's a great question. One of the things I did early on last summer, I did the Hollywood Fringe Festival in LA last summer, mm-hmm. and I created these recordings of, I would just say a different character name in a random way for like two minutes. And like kind of stay and then like have a minute or something, a second between each character. So that was a really good way for me to physically practice shifting quickly in between different characters. Because, of course, depending on who's talking to each other, you have to move between your, your body between all different characters. Yeah, you change your physicality yeah. for that. So you would just like record on whatever recording device that you have just randomly the names. Mm-hmm. And then you would just go in and do a portion of their their monologue I actually sometimes just do their body and maybe one word that represents their sort of emotional state at the top of the show wow that's great so and I always do it in front of a mirror it's so important to get that that's how you really notice things that irritate me that I don't think audience members necessarily notice but I'm like calm down eyebrows you're not needing to move (laughs) in that character And you can get into these habits that we we unconsciously, you know, Eliza moves her face all the time. I have a very expressive face. And it's like, but when I'm being Marsha, do I want to be like this? No, I want to always be looking like I'm just so happy all the time, though I'm so terrified people aren't going to like me. Now, did you do other things uh, in the creation of the characters? Like, did you do drawings or look through the Internet or magazines or whatever and sort of composite them together like that? 
I really, I'm a, a clinical social worker and therapist by training. So I like to tell people I have a depth of material of, of people. There are a couple particular characters that some of the superficial aspects of them, um, you know, are real people that I had an interaction with that then inspired this whole character. But it, I really left it mostly to my imagination and thought a lot about, with this show, it's like a complicated, multi-layered quilt in a lot of ways. It's mm-hmm. required a lot of archaeological digging. So thinking through, I actually made grids at one point of like, here's all the characters on each axis and how do they feel about each other and what do they think about artificial intelligence and where are the alliances, where are the conflicts, how do those change over time in a, you know, it's a 60-minute show. Wow. Now, I, the nerd in me loves that. <laughs> I love that. I was like, did you do graphs? Did you do a PowerPoint presentation? I did do drawings of, I had, you know, a challenge too is it's a group therapy session and I'm one person and a challenge is like, well, how are you going to stage that? So I had to really think through like, where do, where are people sitting or standing? I have them stand because I didn't want to sit all night. Um, you have to make a graph of where are they because then each of us, when I'm, you know, which character I have to know who's, who else is here and which side of me are they on? And where is Amber as the AI therapist? So I always have her actually kind of center stage sort of, I just, she's just always center. Is she stationary? She's very stationary. Okay. Well, maybe she might become less stationary as a super intelligent being, but you'd have to come see Bravo 25 to see when she becomes a super intelligent being. Wow. Now is, tell me about Bravo 25. What does that mean? Or, or is that a spoiler? No, no, no. That's actually a great story because it's based on a real person that I met um, and I did. I took a red eye a few years ago into the Boston Logan Airport and picked up a rental car at 7 a.m. at budget. And I got some of the most phenomenal customer service I've ever had in my life. And there was this woman. I ended up finding out afterwards her name was Cheryl, which is one of the other characters in the show. And she said to me, 7 a.m., listen, your car's in Bravo 25. It's going to look like Avis, but it's not. It's budget. And listen, you go out there and have some fun today. <laughs> and I was like, I love you. Can I worship? Like, totally. I'm in. Oh, wow. So I have no idea if she, she knows that I've made her a working class lesbian in recovery. But it was actually based on that interaction. And that's the name of the show. So it honestly just... Sh- is the name of the room where the show happens. From a rental car transaction. From a, from a budget a. <laughs> after a fucking red-eye flight. Oh, yeah. my. Well, you know, you once you get off those red-eyes, it's like you're in a whole other I'm like, world. yeah, you're in an altered state. Yeah. Right? So the fact that she told me to go out and have some fun today, I was like, I will. <laughs> I was like, yeah. If I could just have you wake up next to me maybe every day and send me a little message, that would be great. Go out there and have some great way to start the day. Go out there and have some fun today. I would have never, ever guessed that that's where that came from. <laughs> you know, ever. Well, before I named the show Bravo 25, here's another funny story. I, of course, Googled it because you always have to Google and find out, well, oh, God, what else? What are the other hits here? And it's a lawnmower. And I was like, I'm safe. That's a great name for a show. Because I'm not, it's not a lawnmower, not a lot of theater competition. Yeah, no, there won't be like copyright or trademark no, or anything like no, that. No, there won't, no one will be challenging me, wow. which is good. That's... And then coming up with a tagline was actually more challenging because I wanted to actually make sure people understood this is about artificial intelligence and 
get a sense that it is a, you know, it's a comedy. And of course, all comedy has tragedy and pain in it as well. But um, so, yeah. And then I ended up, it was initially the tagline. And then I found out pretty quickly that if you just call show Bravo 25, you're like, what what the hell is that? But with the full name, even though it's long, it's like, oh, this is a weird show. It might be funny. Maybe I should check it out. What were you thinking that people would think that it was about if it was just Bravo 25? Well, my worry was they would just kind of be like, I don't know what that is. Ah. Okay. At all. I mean, unless you're like my dad, he'd be like, oh, B25? (laughs) What is B25? Well, because it's part of the, oh, no, I don't even know the name. I'm going to like blank out on the name of it. But you know how A is, it's not A is for Apple, B is for Bravo, C is for Charlie. It's not A, though. But that whole, there's some... Oh, yeah. It's not Morse code. It's just because uh, that's a beep, beep, beep thing, but there's some other thing. So B is literally, Bravo is how you say you're saying B instead of V for victory, maybe. I don't even, I don't know all of them. My mom, I think, knows them because early on she was a telephone operator. So she, she knows all of them. But see, you didn't even know. But it's I, literally just, yeah. It's, it's I, from that thing that I should look up so I can be more eloquent next time I'm interviewed about this. Well, no, no, it's great. I'm already on to your mom being a telev- telephone operator. Now, there's a character right there. Oh, my mom's hilarious, yeah. I, I bet, wow. Yeah. Um, how are rehearsals going here at the Frigid Fest? Are you, I mean, well, you're in performance now, so you're not in rehearsal, but what were rehearsals like? coming in was it um uh was it difficult working with the other shows uh has everybody been really supportive so far what's what's going on with that the community here is super supportive which is really nice especially as an out-of-town artist so that helps a lot um and the truth is I always rehearse you can't not rehearse it's not like it's in my back pocket all the time to really show up and give my best performance um and, you know, as a solo performer with basically my costume is I change my shoes because I wear these like jazz dance shoes so I can really stay connected to the ground. It's not like I need anything other than space and a chair. I sit in a chair occasionally. <laughs> so it's like I just need space and yeah. ideally a mirror because I like to, you know, check my eyebrows. Right. That's <laughs> a movie between you gotta, characters. got to keep those eyebrows under control. Come on, people. Right. Not everyone moves their eyebrows. <laughs> Now, so you say you're from San Francisco, right? Yes. Okay, now do you, when you're in San Francisco, do you like book a rental space for a couple weeks and go in and rehearse? Do you rehearse in your, where you live? How, how does that work for you before you get here? Yeah, so I mostly rehearse in my kitchen and I like to have friendly eyes because I really like to connect with my audience. So I did actually travel with, I have a pet rock named Rocco who has these like really you know, beautiful. I should have brought him, her. I consider her transgender. I should have brought her so you could have seen her. Um, but she's, you know, she specializes in just like friendly eye gazing, which is what you want when you're practicing. I mean, I really get like crazy in my kitchen. I'm like, oh, and then I have this little like weird, you know, stuffed lamb with an eyeball. And my niece and nephew made me a lot of pet rocks. I have a lot of these weird rocks with eyeballs all around. So they become my audience. I have also been known. Early on, early stage development at different times, I practice in a racquetball court. So it's just this big white box, no distraction, and plenty of space to kind of, you know, physically jump around and move around and figure out how I, how I want to move around. So you booked the racquetball court at the gym. 
Yeah. And then you go there. And now typically racquetball courts, people can walk by and they're usually, there's like, I don't there's know, acrylic glass. or glass yeah. or something mm-hmm. to where you can see the whole thing in there. Mm-hmm. And has anyone ever asked me, what am I doing in there? Yes. I don't have a racquetball court. You know, yeah, yeah, they have. Where's your racquetball racket? Racket, and mm-hmm. where's your and where? Oh my god! <laughs> I say I'm a member of the gym. <laughs> I have this room booked for you know until three p.m. Come back then. But you're not even playing racquetball. I'm not. But I still have booked the room. You paid your dues. Hey, I pay my monthly dues at this gym. Dues. There's a racquetball. I have no idea how to play racquetball. <laughs> That is... But it's free uh, rehearsal space. Do you bring your pet rock and set your pet rock in the corner? In the racquetball court, I have not done that yet. Oh, wow. Because you have to also set up the eyes so they're closer to like what the human eyeballs would be if they were sitting in a... So you have to have things to put them up on. Because you don't do your show looking down. You know what I mean? Right. So you'd have to have a shelf in the racquetball court. Yeah. That's that would be complicated. I don't have time in an hour to install and you know take the shelf out. <laughs> it is nice when possible to rehearse in the actual theater. I will say that. But I did not get in town in time enough to do. I actually tried to book sometimes, but it's just it was too tight. I had so many people. I think there's 15 shows in each theater, or 15 and 14 now. Right. So um, I did have like a three-hour tech rehearsal before my opening night, which is on Friday, and. It's always nice to spend, you know, by yesterday I was like, it was my third show. And I was like, oh, I'm getting like how, where people are, or how this place, there's like a funny lip in under St. Mark's. And I kept like the first night I was like, oh my God, I just went over a lip. I don't want to trip, but you know, so you just get, you still have to get to know the actual theater too. True. True. Yeah. We did our show in, in uh, St. Mark's as well. And yeah, it's, 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 it's a great theater. It is, it's smaller. Than most. Yeah. Um, and then when David started doing the show, he was like, I, I can feel that it's smaller than most of the stages. But it, it feels like you have one stationary character and then your other six characters. Do they move around a lot or am I, or am I asking too much? No, no, no. That's fine. I mean, a big thing was like you want to keep... It's kind of like you think about the movie. Did you ever see Dinner with Andre where the whole movie is just like this dinner conversation? Which gets a little slow. That's fine, but you've maybe heard of it. Whatever. I have heard of it. Right? It's a support group for 60 minutes. It's like, you can't just have every character be sitting in a chair. So I quickly, I decided Amber has enhanced peripheral vision, and she can see everybody better if they stand. So everybody is standing up, which means people can, you know, during short monologues or longer monologues, can kind of move around and connect directly with the audience and... You know, I look for opportunities to switch it up so it's not just like I'm in the center stage changing in between characters. Wow. Now, does each each of your other six characters, do they have like a stop-to-start monologue or do they all, do you jump in, in and out of characters at various different times, multiple times? Yeah, I'm jumping in and out of characters all the time and then cool. through the natural kind of emotional process of the session, uh-huh. it clearly triggers someone to t- start sharing their backstory. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't, you, you sort of buy, I actually got some nice feedback on Saturday from someone who said, around the time I was kind of trying to be like, well, what the hell is this guy's story anyway? He started to tell us. Oh, <laughs> so, that's good. Which was really like lovely feedback in terms of structure and tempo and composition of the yeah, show. That, you're, you're hitting your beats properly. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's really cool. And how, how many cuts would you say are in the show where you're switching characters back and forth, if you had to guess? 500 
Whoa, no way. I mean, I don't know. It's constant. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. Well, I, we had like 70 cuts in our show. Jeez, I've I'm never going to I've never counted. I don't know. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a conversation between seven characters. So, a lot. A lot. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, before we go, can you give our audience your social media information for the show where they can go learn more about it, buy tickets, all that stuff? For yeah, the- great. At ElizaGibson.com. Oh, whoops, sorry. Rewind. At ElizaGibsonPerforms.com. And my website, At Eliza Gibson Performs, is my Facebook page. And At Eliza Gibson is Twitter. And uh, all of that stuff is all interconnectable. Yep. Okay, great. That's that's awesome. Well, you have been delightful. Thank I, you I so much. I want to bring you back onto one of my, my hour-long shows. I would love to come back. Oh. I'm in town until March 6th. Oh, my gosh. Wow, well, I should <laughs> definitely keep that on the calendar. Or we could do a Skype show. Yeah, oh, that would be fun. It would be super fun. And then yeah. uh, you could, uh, I would love to know what's going on in San Francisco theater. It's a great solo performance scene, I got to say. I mean, there's great theater in general, but as a solo performer, there's a really lovely, you know, solo performer community, which is where I spend most of my time. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you've been absolutely delightful. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Eliza Gibson from Bravo 25, your AI therapist, We'll see you now. You were terrific. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Folks, please welcome to the show Jake Simons from Like Nobody's Watching. Hi, Jake, and welcome to your program as your ticket. Hi, hi. Thank you for having me, Sean. Oh, it's my pleasure. So you've done three shows already of this, and That's we're in correct. the middle on a break. Mm-hmm. How'd they go? They went great. Uh, so I got into town... Oh, I got into town Wednesday night late, and then I teched um, Thursday morning, and then I had a show on Thursday at 5.30. I'm coming from Perth, Australia. Um, so that was – I wouldn't advise doing that again uh, to my past self. But um, I have an excellent venue tech. Uh, my show has 70 sound cues. Um, it's very simple other than that, but it does have a lot of sound cues, so – having a good venue tech is very important and i have curtis at under st mark's and uh and we we got the show ready and then we did the show and uh and the space is perfect for my show it's just a nice it's a it feels like a new york theater it's very small um but like perfectly intimate i really i like that um and uh and it's great yeah so you flew in from australia (laughs) yeah like did you sleep at all i sort of i um I slept on the plane. I also, I closed the show in Australia. Uh, I, I had a late slot. I had a 10-20 slot in Australia. So I, I, I closed the show and then I flew out the next morning. Um, so then I slept on the plane and then I did sleep. I did and I, my, my mom's probably going to listen to this. And I, to, I, to, I told my family that I got a hostel, but I actually spent the night at the Newark airport because I only had like I got in at like midnight and I had tech at um, nine the next morning so I just sort of catnapped at the airport I'd never done that before Um, but cumulatively I got a lot of sleep just it wasn't great quality sleep 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. It's the life. It's the life of touring a show. You got to sort of, I find I sleep better on the road weirdly than I do at home. I think it's because I'm like often tired and I'm like sort of, I like, I stay off my phone. I'm just sort of like, like, I don't know why I just sleep better on the road. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's crazy. That's (laughs) wow. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. So let's go ahead and tell our audience about like nobody. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, it is a solo show inspired by the film Castaway with Tom Hanks. That was a movie I really loved as a kid, and uh, about a year ago, I decided I wanted to make I, I wanted to make a solo show that I could tour. That was my that was my first thing, and I I am not a huge fan of um, the solo show. I feel like a lot of solo shows there's um, some really serious um, uh, cliches or or just things that a lot of solo shows do, where like you, the one person plays fifty characters and um, and lots of direct address. So. I thought so. I was so I I came to isolation films as like, oh, wouldn't that be kind of an interesting um, way to make a solo show? So I just am the one character, and I what I did was I watched about twenty isolation films. Um, this is like The Martian with Matt Damon recently. It's also like old sci-fi movies, and I took bits from those movies and made one new story. So by isolation film, you mean like where a character goes and they are. By themselves. My criteria is very simply just a character is alone for a while. So sometimes uh, 2001, Kubrick's 2001 counts because uh, right before that trippy famous um, um, wormhole sequence, um, that one astronaut is alone. He's only alone for like 10 minutes, but um, I watched those 10 minutes and I drew from it. What is it about that? the the idea of someone being isolated mm-hmm. that so draws you so much that you'd want to write a show about it yeah um well so so part of it like there there is a a, a kernel of autobi- autobiography in the show okay um i am an introverted person i grew up in the middle of nowhere uh so and and another another insp- so the other thing about the show, and then like the, I, I kind of cut, cut this from the blurb that I like tell people, but so Tom Hanks has Wilson, sure. um, and and uh, and I have Spalding, a basketball, okay, and Spalding is Spalding Gray, um, the the monologist guy, right? Um, so um, so that was also that was so that that idea was sort of like. Like a whoa, what if that would be weird? But then once, I, but then watching Spalding Gray all on YouTube, um, uh, he also has those themes of um, of of just it's just him, and he tells very personal stories. So my show has like a little nugget of of autobiography, but only only a little bit. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, so is it? Talk about so if it's not you that you're playing, yeah, and you're playing someone else, you're playing a character that you've written. Tell us about that character. Oh yeah, that's a, the castaway is what it is in the script. I guess it is sort of me, but it's it's um it's just sort of um sort of a, exaggerated, like the like 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 I do like the movie Castaway, but in the in the in the show, there is a devotion to the film Castaway. Like the the character loves the movie Castaway. Um, okay. I like theater. I like theater where 
there's a like devotion or a love. That's that. Those are the shows I want to see. I want to see a show that you made about something that you really, really love. And um, so that's what I tried to. I kind of tried to turn that up a little bit. Are there any particular uh, theatrical pieces that you admire that uh, embody that theme? Oh yeah, good question. Um, Thanks. Yeah. I well, what's coming to mind right now is like um, I just I just came from um, Fringe World in Australia, and there was a piece called We Are Ian that is made by a company called In Bed with My Brother, and it is a like kind of love letter to the um, to the um, like rave r- rave scene in England in the eighties. Wow. And but then it also tells the story of like then then Big Bad Thatcher came and and. Everything you know ch- changes. Um, it's really well. It's well done. It's a great piece. But um, they, yeah, like like you walk into the space and like and like it is a kind of like a rave, and it's and you get that energy, and you, and yeah, yeah. So that's a piece that that is like that. Um, um, I can't think of any other example. I'm trying to think of like something more more that the Mainstream. audience would know. Yeah, or I don't know. Um, oh, you, you know, uh, uh, life, life, life in sixty minutes, which is another show at this festival. It's real good, and they, they, they're, they're, they play rock music and they love rock music. The and brothers, then they're brothers. Yeah, I, I interviewed them. As yeah, well. yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great guys. Yeah, and, and that love comes through. You know. Wow. <laughs> so, are you are you from us, really, or did you just come no, no, from no, no, Australia? no, 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 I'm I'm from Portland, Oregon. Oh, okay. And uh, and now I've taken the show to Australia, and now this is the second engagement. I self-produced the show in Portland, Oregon. Okay. And then I'm going to do a couple Canadian fringes this summer. Wow. Yeah. Excellent. Now, um, what has changed the most from the first iteration of the show to mm-hmm. where, it, where it is now? Yeah, it got a little longer. Um, the original piece was about 35 minutes, and now it's at about 55 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, I've ha- so I've added a little bit. Topical references. Um, I made my... F- so I, the 20 films mentioned, and then, um, and then um, one of them uh, has Kevin Spacey in it. Um, one of them has James Franco in it. Um, Matt Damon is mentioned. Matt Damon didn't 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 um, isn't accused of abusing anyone, but he had that dumb the Me Too movement. Um, um, it, 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 when that happened, I was like, sh- "Shoot, my show!" Now, when you mention Kevin Spacey, there's this weight to it, right? Um, so I like tweaked the line because of that, and um, um, so so little things like that have changed, and it's gotten. Uh, Right now, after having performed it, um, after the run in Australia and coming to the run here, I know all the lines, like, really good. Like, often when I do the show, I have to refresh it. Sure. But right now, I'm like, I'm probably a little cocky. Um, I, like, haven't looked at the script in weeks. (laughs) Why? You just came from doing it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and I would imagine nothing's really changed from then to now. No, no, yeah. Although that is a movement that's constantly... Changing, so who knows by tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, have your parents seen the show? My dad saw it last night. And last my, night. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and my my mother and my sister came and saw it in its first iteration in May, last May. Wow. Yeah. And what did they say? <coughs> I mean, I know the other yeah. the other than you're our son, you're my brother. It's yeah. wonderful. I love it. Did they have any uh, any input for it? They um, maybe they would have if I had like listened. 
more. I I don't know. I I am I, I'm uncomfortable with with praise um, to a degree. So they yeah they said nice things and I kind of I was yeah so and and yeah they liked it they liked it. Um, I, it's a friendly piece. It's a friendly audience. It's got a little. It's funny. It's a. Um, it's got some like um, high-minded ideas, but um, hopefully, I I I really try, tried pretty hard to not to not you know let the piece get all weird and pretentious. You know, it's funny that you said that you're uncomfortable with praise because I I myself am a writer. I think I said yeah. earlier, and um, I am way more comfortable hearing the criticism. Yeah. You know, I'm, I, whenever somebody says, Oh, it's really, really good. Or they like it a lot. And I'm, I, I just want to say, you know what? Um, please tell me the truth. Yeah. You know, one, a friend of mine said, you know, Sean, you're just gonna have to accept the fact that once in a while, yeah. somebody just likes what yeah. you write. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's really awkward. I always tell people, I want to hear the conversation in the car. <laughs> yeah. On the way home yeah. or, you know, or when you get five blocks away. I did a show one time. Away. I did a show one time and there was an intermission and um, and backstage you could walk right up next to the lobby and there was just a curtain. So you could hear oh the people. Gosh. And I would like like I kind of found it by accident, but then I, I like very I like stayed away from it because I was like, I don't wanna I don't want to know that <laughs> stuff. Well, yeah. like especially intermission. Yeah, exactly. Because you, know, you still, yeah, you still, still have to go perform. act, go do yeah. act two. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's also the fringe. Being a fringe artist, we need we need praise because we need the stars to put on the flyers, and we need the pull quotes sure. to put on. The, it's all about the flyer. Um, so that's been interesting because. Um, my relationship so far has been more like companies working with companies and, um, and yeah, you really care about, about like what the people you respect think. And also there's a context like, like people in Portland theater, if I, if uh, there are people I know for, I've known for years, they know how I work. They know my teachers, they've seen my other stuff. So I find that like, like, like they, well, maybe this is another way of saying it. You see stuff at fringe and you might not like it, but but you may, you probably don't really have anything constructive to criticize about it because you don't know how it was made. You don't know there are like like you see stuff and and or, or and you talk to people afterwards. You're like, how how did you work? Did you have a director? How long have you been doing the piece? And the like variety of, of different ways things come to this festival. Oh, sure. I mean, it's part of what makes it awesome. Um, but um, but then yeah. So times sometimes I just want you to say that my work is nice, and so that as a re- like for the reviewers, I just want the nice review and give me, give me my pull quote and right. give me my <laughs> give me my stars so I can go to another festival. But yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it, it is very strange that um, uh, that sort of syndrome. Yeah. Of you know, abuse me, please abuse me because I don't believe you when you're telling me that I. Could. Yeah. But yeah, it, you know, you're absolutely right. It is important uh, for. For the shows, and one of the things that I focus on on the podcast, it's, it's called your program is your ticket because yeah, yeah. because oftentimes in in the smaller shows, mm-hmm. your program is your actual yeah. ticket. I don't have, I don't even have a program. My show doesn't even have a program. Right. I should. I don't. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, even so, it's it's you you need that support. Yeah. I don't I don't think the sometimes I I, I wish that the 
publications. Yeah. Um, uh, the people who write about theater and talk about theater would be a little more supportive just as a show, particularly for the smaller shows, because they're often in development. Yeah. You know, from, mm-hmm. from one city to the next city, and it is so helpful. Yeah. Um, it, it, it makes me a little annoyed when I see reviewers who kind of get their jollies just being. Yeah jerks about it yeah so there you go that's my soapbox i'm sorry um no i I love that i love that uh, i wish audiences and reviewers and publications were more forgiving of theater um and less about the polish um because then because then you put so much energy into the polish because that's what you need to to succeed uh, practically but then but then that's that's time that could be going to making the making the art uh, exactly. Yeah. You're, you spend you spend so much time producing. Yeah, and know? like there's like companies in Portland that um, spend gobs of money on their venue and then pay their artists a stipend, uh-huh. um, and it's and it's ridiculous. And the optics of it are just. I mean, people don't realize people don't realize how how the sausage gets made. Oh, totally. And especially when you go when you go to a fringe festival, some of them give you longer prep times or tech times. Yeah. But I've been involved in in uh, fringe f- or festivals where it's like you have twice your the length of your show yeah. to to go into a theater and you've been in maybe once. Yeah. And tech all your tech cues, show, yeah. and and run it, and that's that's something that usually takes four or five days, yeah. And then you are immediately up for reviews, yeah, right yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so so perhaps a little bit of education is in order for that, yeah. So hopefully, you and I can be educators yes. for all the critics. Starting critics, the please listen to listen to all of this. Yeah, take notes, <laughs> right? Exactly. Go back, rewind, and listen again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I love the name, like nobody's watching. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, did that just come to you right away, or did did you have to think think it through? That was very early because so the the, the phrase it's that dumb poem, you know, they, they, um, sing like nobody's love, like you've never been hurt, dance, and the phrase is actually dance as dance like no no one is watching, but I misremembered it as like nobody's watching. Um, which is fine. Um, a couple issues I've run into with the title, it's dot, 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 like nobody's watching. Uh-huh. But in Australia, typographical error, it became like nobody's watching, no spaces, all one word. So now, so that's an, that was just sort of annoying, but it was fine. And then another, so the, originally the piece was going to be a dance. Um, uh, the, uh, the whole thing was going to be a, a, what I, I had this crazy idea that I was going to mash together footage from isolation films into like an hour-long supercut. And then I would um, kind of Wooster group dance along to it. Are you a trained dancer? Um, or do you have, I mean, do you have a lot of experience in dance? I, late, I'm a latecomer. Uh, I, 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 the company Pete in Portland, um, um, they studied under the city company. And from them, I learned um, Viewpoints and Suzuki, um, which I wouldn't call dance, but um, physical um, storytelling. I love dance. I want. I wish I were a dancer. I should have been a dancer, but I. I just. It wasn't cool to do it um, when I was young. So you probably still could be. I'm yeah, sure. I still could be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or you know, to to a certain extent. Yeah. Um. So how did it? What made you shift it from being uh, an 
I was, is it like an interpretive dance piece? Um, uh, well, that, the idea is was a bad word. <laughs> uh, I, I know. It's interesting. I like, totally bristle. I'm like, no, 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 no. no, no, no. So, so what made you shift? Okay. Let me rephrase yeah, that. What no, no, made no, you no, shift no it from being a dance piece yeah. to what it is now? Yeah. So then by dancing, what I meant was syncing up the movement, um, um, with, with the video. So like, so like mimicking was the start of it. Like, um, like, like learning the movement phrases in the movies. And so I started doing that and it's really hard. So like after the first like four hours of rehearsal and we've learned 10 seconds, it was like, okay, I don't think this is the piece because it's taking too long. Um, and by then other, I, and it was also sort of, I mean, it was, it was, a as I, as I dove more into the structure of the films, more ideas came to me. Um, so, but the short answer is it's not that piece because that piece would be too hard to make. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, that would that, be a cool piece though. That, right. yeah. exactly. Yeah. It, you know, what would be really cool is to watch. Okay. Here I am telling you to do your show. Sorry. No, about no, like, no, no. like watch what you have now. And then like, we can come back after, um, after act two and then see the dance version. Of yeah. It. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I'm thinking like a producer here. Sorry about no, that. I love it. Um, now, before we go, can you give our audience your social media information for the show so yeah. they know where to learn more and get tickets? Yep. I am at Jake Simons on Instagram and Twitter. Um, they can get tickets through the Horse Trade website, or there's also a link on my website, jakesimons.com. I'm trying to get Tom Hanks to come see the show, and so I need help with that. He's very active on social media, but if you go to dearTomHanks.wordpress.org, I have letters that I've written to him, and then you can share them through your social media, and I'm going to try to get Tom Hanks to come see the show. Those are my, those are my campaigns on the interweb, I believe. Wow. Yeah. It's a show about loneliness, but the purpose of it is about is to foster connection. So I really do. I love hearing from people who saw the show. I love hearing from people who haven't seen the show because they're not in in New York, but they're like my friend on Facebook, so they're listening to this. Um, so they should help help me get Tom Hanks too. Well, if I run into Tom Hanks, I'll very yeah. definitely tell him. For Please sure. do. Please do, Sean. And, and hopefully he's listening to my podcast yeah. as well, right? Yeah. Hi, Tom. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Well. Um, uh, break legs, but not oh, in the literal you. sense, literal. obvious, because it sounds like it's yeah. a very physical show. And uh, just keep up the good work, and <laughs> I would, I'm would i going to do my best to come and see it. Yeah, yeah. For Wonderful. Sure. So, cool. Uh, thank you for being with us, Jake Simons from Like Nobody's Watching. Thanks, Sean. Folks, please welcome Melissa Machito and Mariah Frida from Artemisia's Intent. Hi, Mariah and Melissa, and welcome to your program is your ticket. Hi. Thank you. Thanks oh, for having us. It's my pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for being here. Tell our audiences about Artemisia's Intent. Uh, so Artemisia's Intent is a solo show now playing it under St. Mark's, and it traces the long lineage of the Me Too movement all the way back even to biblical times using the phenomenal art and inspiring life of Artemisia Gentileschi, who was an, a real painter from the 17th century in Italy. Wow. How did you come up with that idea? Well, uh, about a, a year ago, uh, I first heard a story about uh, there was a, a massive exhibit of her work in Rome, which was her home city. Uh, I was desperate to go there. I tried to convince <laughs> Mariah to buy a plane ticket to go see her work because I was just sort of shocked that I never, ever heard of her. And when you see her paintings, they're just so visceral and exciting and gorgeous. Um, 
And I just was really excited about that. And also dismayed to hear um, her personal biography, which seemed very, very familiar to me personally and sort of in the, the world that we're in today, which was at 17, her father had hired a tutor to train her in uh, painting perspective. And then when she was 17, he raped her. And the oh um, later, it, w- it went to trial. Uh, and somehow the transcripts of this trial have survived. They've been translated into English. Wow. Um, and so we were really moved by both the fact that her art, at least in contemporary time, was not very well known, and you know why was that, and also how there were echoes of her story um, in going on right now. And, and this was a year ago. So we were looking at and thinking about the Taylor Swift trial with the DJ, um, Kesha. This is all before, uh, before Weinstein. Wow. Yeah. So how is, how is it going where every single day something new pops up? Mm -hmm. Are you having to constantly do rewrites of the play to, uh, to, to address all of these Horrible current events that seem to, to pop up, if not every day, at least once or twice a week. Yeah, it certainly felt that way in the beginning. And we work um, collaboratively with a devising process. So our first couple phases of rehearsal was bringing in research and source and material. Source material. Text. And so that was part of it. Every day there was something new and we'd unpack it and talk about it and then try to express it. Um, theatrically, and it and got to a point where we had to stop. Really, yeah, I, I think we were we were all grateful to be a part of a, a team of five women that were the core creative team, right. so that we could come together. I think like a lot on a personal level of just sort of processing this information because there was always a new article out or a new revelation, um, and, and then to have the ability to translate that into uh, art was really gratifying. But I will say that even though there were so many uh, stories coming up, sadly, the the core of the story never changes. Mm-hmm. It's It always had to do with men in power, abusing their power, Often um, that involved and, in, and continues to involve sexual assault or sexual violence. Um, and even you know before Artemisia, we we're using her work as an artist and the subjects that she painted to point back to these you know, biblical examples, the, the subjects of her paintings that also received the same treatment. Um, and just looking at how embedded that is in our culture and then asking, you know, how much art has been lost, uh, how, much, uh, how many women's creative voices have been stifled, whether it's because we're forced to tell the same stories over and over again or because careers are cut short because of um, people in power and the systems that enable that. Wow. Um, so from what I'm hearing, from what you're saying, it feels like you're almost playing with three different levels of the Mm time-space continuum. You have Mm -hmm. Artemisia, who, um, how, what was her, when when was she born and when did she die? So, oh, I wish Lindy, our dramaturg, was 
here. That's okay. She was born in 1593. Oh, wow. Um, and so, uh, like, the her career really started around, like, 1610, 1612. 1612 sure. was when the trial happened, and immediately afterwards, she moved from Rome to Florence, where she really started to flourish as an artist. She was quite um, successful and well-known during her life, uh, although it did not make being a a woman artist any easier, I think, for her. Uh, And she died in 1652 or 53. There's some sort of dispute over the exact date of death. And of of what uh, time frames... Did she paint? You said she she painted historical figures um, and and their struggles with what she was struggling with as well, and the injustices and inequalities were there. Can you give a, a couple examples or an example? The ones that we work with in um, in the play are biblical stories. Okay, and that Which, was very popular yeah. at the time. This was sure. these were popular paintings that many painters were being commissioned to do. Um, so specifically, we have Susanna and the Elders. I don't know how much you want me to divulge. <laughs> that will give away. Yeah, and then... Um, Whatever doesn't take you into spoilers. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll talk about the paintings, because you can also go on our website. We have a lot of our research put up there, so if you want to like look at the paintings before you come see the show and sort of see how they are brought to life through Mariah... Um, but so Susanna and the Elders was the first major painting that Artemisia completed, uh, and then she returned to that later in her life. Bathsheba and David, uh, Judith and Holofernes, and to be clear, uh, you know we don't know exactly, but these weren't necessarily. Uh, subjects that she was choosing specifically. These were commissioned paintings, so she's working within a structure where she's dependent on patrons to pay her to paint certain uh, scenes. Sure. And and in the Baroque era, those were just such dramatic stories that was very exciting. So uh, aside from that, she did paint uh, at least two self-portraits um, and I think we've seen one portrait of an actual like patron of hers, um, but typically they were these you know sort of age-old stories, entertainment, if you will. Now, in so it sounds like she did a lot of commissioned work. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think that she deliberately put all of the themes of um, uh, female rep- repression into those works? Uh, or did she question. sort of like did she did she slip it in or did she intend to? What do you think, Mariah? I I, I always think of her as as depicting two sides, um, and in some of her paintings, she truly shows the vulnerability of a woman and the and the fear in a woman when placed in these horrible positions. Wow. So that's the one side, and traditionally those paintings are not depicted that way, and you see a woman who's being stalked or threatened, and she's pleasant looking, let's say. Um, And then the flip side of that is she depicts women in a position of power and taking that power back. So I think she she really goes hard in both directions. Wow. Always staying within the construct of the time, and a lot 
has been written about how her style would change over time depending on, you know, the, the period in which she was getting a lot of commissions from Spain. So she would paint to that style, but at the same time just sort of insert her own personality, whether it was a hidden hand gesture or using a very specific color or how she costumed a character in the in the painting. So wow. And you know, when I when I see art, I I love when I am told of small little touches and surprises uh, and hidden, like you said, hidden gestures. Um, and you know, you're told by a docent or you're reading it in a book. You know, mm-hmm. you, look at this. This actually means something to the artist that doesn't that, that assists in the painting mm-hmm. or the work, uh, but isn't necessarily uh, wasn't looked at by society in that manner. Mm-hmm. I really love when that happens. That's one of the things that I love uh, about art. Um, so when you're writing the show, I feel like there would be probably charts and graphs if you're writing on three different levels of time. Like <laughs> where you're connecting no this. A lot of note cards. Oh, so, you, so tell me about <laughs> using note cards for it. I, I, I just love laying things out visually that way. So whether it's, you know, I, I had a whole system of, um, you know, I printed up all the paintings that we were considering, which was not the whole of her canon. Um, and I glued each one to a card just to, to try and like get to a structure. And then we, you know, we had a lot of check-in points along the way as, as this team of five to sort of make sure we were anchoring the piece the way that we wanted to, that we were talking about what we wanted to speak about and like how could we, um, you know, bring her story to life and make it more than an art history lesson. Although, you know, we have many debates uh, in the final rewriting stages um, where like the the nerd, the history nerd in me was like, no, no, we have to keep this detail. We, you know, we can't, we can't do an internal cut here because this was an exact quote from her letter. And, you know, eventually we, we put things to the (laughs) side, we say goodbye, we hold a funeral for a scene and you know bless Mariah because the last um week especially of rehearsals we were making lots of cuts lots of changes um we you know, had like an hour and a half long show the week before yeah for sure a- for sure it's so not mean- it's it's definitely under an hour now it's under an hour but it, you know that really I think aided in our storytelling too of like mm-hmm. like let's like get to the the meat of it, right? Um, and and also just the process of starting out as a group of five working in a very collage-like way or, you know, oftentimes we would come into a rehearsal bringing in a composition. So we'd say, okay, take um, one week we said, all right, you guys are going to take a painting of that Artemisia painted but combine it with a contemporary, like a pop song or a contemporary piece of text. And, and actually that week, I think Lindy and I, we took art that other artists, whether it was a contemporary or someone, um, you know, current day that had made about Artemisia and paired that with text from her from in her voice. Wow. Um, so really just mashing things together. And then it was really satisfying towards the end when we're putting the script together to say, oh, but remember 
that moment where all the fabric was connected to Mariah and, and it also made up the set and it was taped to the walls and like how can we recreate that and like bring that onto the stage? Melissa um, has coined um, the term content dictionary. I feel like yeah, you made that yeah. up. Um, and we've used that for a couple of shows where every time we create something, we put it in a document with descriptive language. So then when we are piecing the show together, we have a treasure box full of all the things we made. So we can say, oh, this thing, remember that day? And put it into the script or put it over text that Melissa mm-hmm. has pulled or written and we assemble everything. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So it's like a big puzzle, it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. At least at one point it was. And then did you go through the exercise of saying, okay, how can we make this where, where we understand it? as, at this point, probably experts on the topic because you've been working on the show mm-hmm. for so long, how do we make this translate to the public, yeah. to the masses? Did you did you need to go through the script and go, we need to... I don't... Yeah. Yeah, we need to make well, this translatable. Exactly. Like, we often ask the question, is this legible? Is this idea legible on stage? Or, you know, simply bringing our collaborators and friends into the room who who know our process but weren't part of this particular the creation of this show so like come in while we're doing this read through or while we're doing our first ever 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 stumble through um and you know what hit you what was confusing sometimes I, I it was only in conversation with people afterwards that they would say something about a scene I'm like oh wow they they interpreted that completely differently. That's because the scene does not belong in the play. And so we're like, well, cut the scene. Or we have to figure out like how to drop um, maybe some more clues in because something's right. clear to us. But like you said, you know, we're experts in for for the moment. Sure. Um, and also lots of questions about how to make it clear that we are using a great deal of found text mm-hmm. and not just from the 1612 trial against her rapist, uh, and not just from her letters, because there are um, a whole group of letters that she wrote to her patrons. So you really get a window into what it was like to be an artist at that time and a, and a woman artist. And she really like pushed into that. She would, um, you know, she wasn't shy about calling that out, you know, whether it was saying, if I was a man, this wouldn't, you wouldn't be treating me this way, or the quote that we really latched onto, which is, I will show you what a woman can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're also using text from 2017. Right. That is eerily, eerily similar. Isn't it crazy? Mm-hmm. It's, oh, you, yeah. can't, you can't tell the difference. Oh. I think that's the most upsetting part. Yeah, there's there's a, a, a section of text we use that was spoken by um, her um, a, aggressor, whatever you want, you know, this this tutor, where he was allowed to question her during the trial, and the questions that he asks her are the same accusatory questions that people all all over are asking of. 
um, sexual assault victims today? Like, why did you wait so long to report this? Did you make any noise? Did you tell anyone? Like, it's all there in 1612. And then you look at the paintings, and it's clear that this is a, uh, an event that women are very familiar with. Wow. Jeez. Have you had any um, sort of prophetic moments where you wrote something six, nine months ago, and it maybe was a theory that, you're, that you came up with for, for the content of the show, and then all of a sudden it happens in the news? You're like, oh my gosh, we wrote about that six months ago, and it's occurring. Has that happened? You know, I think it more so was um, just this idea of this horrible moment in time when, like this past fall, all of these men in power being exposed, which on the one hand was like, let us know, yes, you're talking about the right thing. Like This is a story that needs to be told. And on the other hand, it was it was quite dismaying and horrifying at just how deeply entrenched it was. Um, So I think more than anything, we just really wanted to honor the the women whose words we are um, bringing into this piece to help us tell the story. That's like four levels of wonderful honor. It's you honoring the women of today Mm -hmm. who are being so brave and, and then... They being, they honoring, well, and then also at the same time honoring on another level, Artemisia, who also is honoring biblical figures mm-hmm. and people that she was commissioned. By. That's amazing. That's really cool. And I, you know, and it's, <laughs> it sounds like it's, it's got a mind bending quality to it as well. And yeah. you, now you say it's a solo show. That's a lot of, are, are you? Are you did multiple characters? Is it just one person giving a monologue? I mean, I it's hmm. you know it's, it's a little non traditional. Yeah, I would say that where it's mainly it's mainly Artemisia, and she embodies other characters, but it's always her underneath. And then I she's would, a conduit for yeah, other voices. Yes, yeah, so they come they come through her. It's it's Artemisia, and sometimes she speaks. For these, um, for, for the these other, mm-hmm. the other. Okay, people. we don't want to give too much away, right? Right. Because yeah. it sounds like it's, it's layers and layers of of interesting. Yeah, but it's a little different than than solo work that I've done before or seen, where it's not that full changing. Yeah, of it's, always, into it's a completely always through. Different character. Yeah, <laughs> it's always through, through Artemisia and her world, and like our design team has done just an absolutely amazing job of transforming the black box that is under St. Mark's into. Um, you know, evoking her 17th century studio. Um, I am part of the run crew, so wish me luck <laughs> on for, for the second time through setting this world up. In break 15. a leg. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Or we got a lot of break of frames, too, but we don't want to do that. No. Okay. Um, but, you know, just trying to distill the elements of, of her world and, and, and put it into Under St. Mark's to help transport people as well. And it's a very, you know, we've talked a lot about the text, of course, because um, the research and the found text was really important, but it's an extremely physical piece. Yes. There's a lot of physical storytelling there. We've tried to honor um, the essence of, of her art. Wow. Cool. It sounds very, very interesting and like it would be really um, intriguing to watch I hope so. And I, geez, I, I really am going to do my best to 
to try and go see it for sure. Awesome. I, it, it just sounds, it sounds completely right up my alley. Um, now, before we have to get going, but before we do, can you give our audience your social media information for the show where they can find more information and get tickets, please? Definitely. So you can visit us on www.theanthropologists.org. Uh, and you'll find links to get tickets there, as well as, like I said, information about the, the research uh, process. And we're also on Twitter at the handle Anthro Theater. That's theater with an R-E. Uh, and Thank we're you for at, clarifying. You're very welcome. <laughs> we are also on Instagram with a different handle because we weren't so savvy. But that handle is <laughs> at The Anthropologists. Um, are we anywhere else? Facebook. Oh, yeah. We're on Facebook. You can totally find us on Facebook. Um, and hopefully when you Google Artemisia Gentileschi or Artemisia's Intent, we'll pop right up. Oh. So. Awesome. Please join us. Our next show is on Saturday the 24th at 7, 10 p.m., and then we have three shows after that. Wow. Okay, cool. Well, you've been wonderful. Thank you so Thank much you. for having wow. us. Thank you very much, Melissa Mishido and Mariah Frieda from Artemisia's Intent and Break Legs. Thank Thanks you. So much. Thank you. Weren't they amazing? Great interviews, and I just know you're going to enjoy their shows, so go see them. You can find information and tickets to all of the 2018 Frigid Festival shows at www.horsetrade.info. Once again, I'd like to thank my guests, Eliza Gibson from Bravo 25, your AI therapist will see you now, Jake Simons from Like Nobody's Watching, and Mariah Frieda and Melissa Machito from Artemisia's Intent. You can find more episodes of Your Program is Your Ticket at Facebook.com, Your Program is Your Ticket. I'm on Twitter at at Program Ticket. The website is yourprogramisyourticket.com. I'm also on YouTube. Search me out at Your Program is Your Ticket. There's some fun videos there. And I'm on SoundCloud and iTunes. Rate me, write me a review, subscribe. It helps my profile and I appreciate it. Folks, take a little time to see a show this week and don't forget to give a smaller show some love. There's lots of theater gems out there. Until our next show, good night theater people and curtain. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.